Welcome to Generation Podcast, where we have real conversations about how God is working through this generation. My name is Josh Mann, and again, for the 11th time, actually for the 10th time. The 10th time. You missed one episode. I did miss one. We have Sam Haywood. Listeners, how are you? You're good? <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you for all those who... Who answered him in the car on there, or in the train on the commute, <laughs> or in the gym, wherever you are? Actually, I, I caught the train today. For you caught the train, was yeah, it the metro? The, the metro. Yeah, what do you think? Beautiful, isn't it? Delightful and it's breezy. Yeah, it's a bit what breezy. It is. It's breezy. like the, there's a draft. It's, it's cold. It's cold. Hmm. Yeah, right. It's interesting. There's no carriages, so you can just pump it like from one end of the train to yeah. the other. Here's a stat, and if anyone knows physics, let me know. I don't. Uh, how? Like if you ran from one end of the train to the other, mm, mm. what would be quicker? Running with the train in the direction the train is going or running against the train? What do you mean by faster? Yeah, what's quick, what's faster or is it exactly the difference. same? What are you talking about? It's the weirdest question ever. Well, it's a... It's a real brain <laughs> teaser, that brain, one, isn't it? Brain teaser for you all. I'll sleep on that one. <laughs> well... <laughs> like uh, comment if, if you know what Josh is talking about. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or you can come over to a conversation with me. I'll be happy to <laughs> ask you again. But we're not here to talk about the Metro, even though it is very, very good and train lines are great. Mm. They've finally come out to the hills of access Sydney. Access to the hills. Of Sydney, which is great that we can finally access the city. Absolutely. Um, but as I said, we're not here to talk about trains. No, we're not. Uh, today, we're here to talk about sex. Oh, boy. Okay. So so this this podcast is all about having real conversations. Correct. About what God is doing in this generation. And yep. today may be the most real conversation that we have on this podcast. Exactly. And so, Up to date. Exactly. And so we've been talking about idolatry for the last 10 episodes, and mm. we've been looking at all types of idols in our culture and as as we've been talking about it people have had awesome conversations people in our church people in other churches mm. i've been having yeah really good conversations about idolatry and just it's opened the door for that to start happening and so today we're going to tackle this topic of sex uh, and the fact that sex can be an idol but mm. not often spoken about as an idol why do you think that is josh uh exactly well firstly it's I think the church in general has done a bit of a poor job in the way that mm. it's spoken about sex. I think it has perpetuated this shame culture in what we'll talk about a bit later. Mm. Um, but it's painted it out to be a bit of a, you know, a, a negative thing. Mm. Like uh, a dirty thing. It can be a dirty word yeah. uh, in, in a church service or in a, in a youth group. So we're going to start off by talking about that sex was actually created for good. It's funny. I was just thinking, you know how we usually do a definition at the start of every episode? <laughs> we're not, we're not going to do a definition <laughs> of what sex is today. Correct. This is a family show. Yeah, exactly. But why? what, what was sex created for, Sam? Why is it mm. a good thing? Sex was created by God. Wow. Surprise, surprise, God invented sex. Yeah. Now, here's the question. Why did God invent sex? Um, because sex seems to be something that is enjoyable. Yeah. Right? And it seems as though God intentionally designed it to be not simply uh, for the purpose of reproduction, mm. but for the purpose of intimacy. Yeah. So I think there are two purposes why God designed sex. Number one, for reproduction, so that we can propagate the image of God all over the earth, right? Um, that's that's kind of like the, the crude um, 
intention behind God creating yeah. the sex. To create more humans. To create more people. Now, um, and that happens for, you know, almost every living organism on the planet that's not a microbiome, you know, that's asexual. I mean, mammals and, and, and to insects, I don't know. Ben? <laughs> How much do you know about insects? Oh, I, sex, ben? I, know. I don't know. <laughs> you like National you're, Geographic. You're I, don't, I don't know. Okay. I'll, get, I'll look at uh, this way. Carry on. But humans are, I think, the only, and maybe dolphins are here, um, have sex for, for pleasure. Yeah. Right? And that's pretty abnormal. Now, it seems to me um, that the Bible presents sex as uh, a way that a couple can have intimacy. Right? So the purpose of sex in a marriage, uh, you know, as well as making babies, is intimacy. Mm. Well, the, Genesis talks about that one fleshness. One right? flesh, um, that they might become one. Um, now, a helpful definition for intimacy is into me you see. Wow. Right? Okay, keep That going. you would feel known by another person, mm. um, intimately known by another person. Now, sex um, neurologically and chemically does that. It creates a chemical bond with another person. It glues your, literally your brains together. Mm. You become a part of the other person's wide reward system. Wow. Is that oxytocin? That's oxytocin. Yeah. So God has actually designed sex to keep married couples together. Chemically. It's a beautiful thing. Um, So, yeah, I would say intimacy would probably be a really helpful way to think about it. So the point of all that is that sex is actually an awesome gift created by God for his people for firstly the express purpose of creating more humans, Mm -hmm. but secondly for intimacy. Yeah. That one flesh, the the gluing together of two people, Mm. uh, and that is a chemical reaction. Yeah, God created us so that when people have sex, they are... Chem- there's chemicals released, actually oxytocin, yep. which binds those two souls, yeah. for want of a better term, together. And like how, how that works is um, what happens is, is um, it, it's, it's in your limbic system, which is the reward part of your brain. It's also where your emotions are. Um, it's where your experiences are. Now, when you think I want a reward um, and your brain is wired to find it a reward in sex with a specific person. When your brain thinks sex, it should think that person, Hmm. you know, and that should be where your brain jumps to. And so you think I need comfort. I think about that person. I need joy. I think about that person. And sex is the neurological pathway to get joy in that person. Um, That's how God has designed it right now. um, We're going to get to this in a moment, but when you're flippant about that um, and you break up with someone, they're wired into your reward system, which is why it's so hard for people to, if you've had sex, break up. Mm. Wow. So then, yeah, we've defined sex a little bit and talked about why it actually is a good thing. That's a, yeah. that's what we really want to come across is that uh, it's not a dirty word. No. It's an amazing thing created by God to be used for its intended purpose, which mm. we've already discussed. Um, so how does this play out as an idol in our culture then? Like when we look around our culture, we know that sex is an idol because TV shows and everything like that. But specifically, how can we see this? Uh, It is literally everywhere all the time. It's unavoidable. You know, sex is everywhere because sex sells. Yeah. You know, we are in a um, capitalist, consumeristic society where 
um, everybody is trying to sell everybody everything all the time, including themselves. You know, sex sells. Sex sells products. Sex sells personalities. Sex sells. Um, and so we live in a culture where sex is commonly used to sell products. Yeah. In um, advertising. Yeah. We well, like bus advertising on the side of a bus on the on the back of the bus. There is yep. just women in bikinis, women in lingerie, men in mm-hmm. just boxer shorts. Yep. Because that's how they get to sell their products. Yeah. And I mean, it's what sells bottled water now. I mean, yeah. what's sexy about bottled water? Nothing. But if you make it sexy, it'll sell. Yeah. Bottled water is great though. You don't, drink, you don't drink tap water? Yeah, I do. But there's nothing better than a nice, cold, fresh bottle of water. Anyway, we're not talking about that. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, thanks, Josh. Um, so what uh, what it does is it sends a message that sex is a commodity, mm. right? Um, sex is something that is um, able to sell. And so we will hypersexualize things um, so that we can sell things. Um, the, the problem is that sex is addictive. And so the more you present people with sex, the more the world gets addicted to sex and the more sex you need to sell something. Yeah, You know what I mean? So back in the day, if there was some kind of raunchy scene in a movie where two people held hands or kissed, you know, in, in the fifties, people were like, Oh, that's naughty, you know? And then they might want to go and see that movie in secret. But now in order to have sex, you know, to sell game of Thrones, you need to have porn yeah, in the TV show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so you just see this increasing level of sex cells because with anything that's addictive, you need more of it to get yeah. hit. And so the the West is getting increasingly more yeah. sexualized. And, and I think that leads to the culture that we see where people think that sex is a necessity for humans. Right. I think, you know, and this is all because of the sex sells industry and things like that, that people actually think to be human means to have sex. Yeah. And that you you have to be fulfilled. You can only be fulfilled, sorry, if you have sex. Yeah, because it's been connected to our identity. Uh, that was something that McKinsey came out with, I think, in the in the fifties. He he was the father of the sexual revolution, and he he put out a report that basically said to to be human is to be sexual. Yeah. Um, and that's when um, that influenced Playboy. It influenced Playboy. So um, Hugh Hefner said, "I'm going to be Kinsey's pamphleteer." So he said, "I'm going to take Kinsey's research that um, identity and sex come together, and that." Everybody is a sexual being and that's who you are. And he says, I'm going to make money off this, mm. right? So he, he went to the research, right? The fake research that said everyone is blah, 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 but addictive and said, I'm going to make money and create a Playboy. Now, what happened is he created Playboy and it was pornography was illegal at the time. And so he actually made, he, he basically petitioned to get pornography legalized as well. So out of all of this, you know, Kinsey, sexual revolution, identity is sex, came pornography and out of pornography came the legalization of pornography. And then pornography was our sex education. Yeah. Like for, for, for the millennial and Gen, and Gen Z, sex education was porn. going to take a little break from this episode to uh, talk about what Josh's laugh sounds like. I, I think you have one of the best cackles. Me? This is me playing it from my phone into the mic. So sorry if this is terrible. You ready? It actually sounds like one of those laughs that hurts. It's just I enjoy life. 
And sometimes... <laughs> That's good. Do you want to walk us through what you were watching? Yeah, okay. So we're watching a bunch of us together. We're watching <laughs> Try Not To Laugh videos. I love it. And I was, I did, I did well for two seconds. Yeah, I was on board with you. Everyone broke because they're laughing at you. Yeah, but yeah. it's the laughing. It's other people laughing that makes me laugh. Yeah. yeah. Well, if if I can be a conduit for someone to have a really good time and laugh at me because mm. of my laugh, I'm happy to do that. That's nice. You and know, that's my theory about why Seinfeld's so great, because Jerry would just break character and laugh at his mm. own jokes half the time. Yeah. That's what gets me. About Look, Seinfeld. I'm not a Seinfeld guy, so. What do you mean you're not? Are you? Gross. Human? Yeah. Well, yes, I am human. Um, anyway, <laughs> while we got you, Sam, you have some big weekend news that came out of the last couple of weeks. Any well, thoughts? I mean, you know what's really exciting, period, the big weekend. Yeah. I mean, mm. our first young adults conference, it's going to be absolutely mind-blowing. It's going to be insane. Amazing. Um, so someone believed in what God is doing so much that they, they took me aside and they said, Sam, we think that God is in this. We think this is going to be huge. We think God is going to use this to reach a lot of people. Um, we want to make sure that every single person can be at conference this year. And they actually donated enough money to pay for 50% of everybody's ticket wow. from this point forward. Yeah. Isn't is that, that amazing? How good is that? It's so good. How good is oh, people? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so point is, tickets are 50%. $75. Easy. To come to the big weekend. Exactly. What dates are that, Sam? It is the 11th to the 13th of October, 2019. Do you want to know a fun fact about those dates? What? 12th is my first wedding anniversary. Oh. We might have a little surprise. Better. Get around us, guys. Get around us. Yeah. Beautiful. That's so exciting. If nothing else, come and support Ben and <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, register now. Link in the description on Instagram. Because of that process, we talk about sex sells. And another thing that we see in our culture is that sex has power. Yeah. That the sex industry actually has power. And that surely that is just a clear example of how much we idolize it. Mm. Because if, if sex alone, the sex industry can have power, then we must think that sex is the be all and end all. Yeah. Um, because we talked about last week about power and information is power. But mm. also we talked about last week that money is power. Money is power. Uh, and there's some stats here. The sex industry turns over $97 billion mm-hmm. every single year. And that's just um, pornography. Wow. So that's not including the other parts of the sex industry. Yeah. Um, like prostitution. Um, and we don't need to make this too crude, but like <laughs> exactly. the other things that yeah. you can buy to do with sex. Exactly. But $97 billion. Yeah, it's, it's, it's genuinely one of the biggest industries in the world. Um, if you were to take Netflix, Amazon and Twitter and combine them, it's smaller than the pornography industry. Goodness. So, I mean, more people are watching porn than are watching Netflix by a country mile. Or downloading, yeah. Downloading porn, yeah. Yeah. And that's an, another stat that our researchers uh, brought to light. Thank you, Ryan Thomas and mm. Bundy. Uh, that porn literally funded Blu-ray. Yeah. And constantly we see that the sex industry pushes industry forward. Pa- it paves the way for technology. Yeah. So there was um, a battle between HD Blu-ray, sorry, HD DVD, which was the same kind of thing as Blu-ray and, and Blu-ray. And I think Blu-ray was owned by Sony and uh, both were like neck and neck and one of them was going to make it and one of them wasn't. Um, the porn industry backed Blu-ray 
And so Blu-ray ended up winning. Winning. And I mean, who buys HD DVDs? They don't exist. Exactly. Um, so um, this, the sexuality of our culture is actually driving culture. It, that's how powerful this force is. Yeah. It's making decisions for us. That's crazy. And, and, and I've, I've heard that the, um, that the sex industry is driving the VR sort of revolution yeah, at the moment. Um, well. Virtual reality yeah. is being largely funded by pornography and uh, that's going to ruin the world. Yeah, I mean, if you think about, I mean, we'll talk about in a minute how many people are addicted to porn, but once it's indistinguishable from reality. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. So it's so clear that you don't have to look very far at all to, to realize that our society is sexualized, is sexualized mm-hmm. and idolizes it. Yeah. And this is not something just that's outside the church. This mm-hmm. is everywhere. Yeah, and I think as an idol, you think about it like sexy people are more important than not sexy people, which shows that it's an idol. You think if I was just sexy, then I'd be happy. Hmm. If I was just sexy, then I'd get the job that I wanted, then I'd get the friends that I wanted, then I'd get the blah, 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 insert whatever you want here. So we're trusting in sex to give us happiness. Yeah. We're trusting in sex to give us the life that we want. Yeah. We're taking a good thing yeah. and making it a, a God, God thing. thing. Absolutely. Um, and so it's it's pretty easy to identify that sex is an idol in our society. Mm-hmm. But then if we think about it individually for ourselves, how can we identify if we are actually idolizing sex? How can we identify this idol in our own life? Um, mm-hmm. And something that our researchers brought to light. I think this is so true. Often people think that the base sin of this idol is lust. Mm. And yes, that's part of it. But I think deep down, I think this is right, that the base sin is actually selfishness. Mm. Do you want to flesh it out a bit? Yeah, that, that people have a desire for their needs to be met. And they mm. will do that in any way they can. And sex is a way that they, they can get their needs met. They mm. can get their pleasure. Instead of going to uh, instead of going to something else, they will turn to sex. They'll turn to pornography. They'll turn to people to give them that pleasure. Mm. Um, and that's an yeah. easy way to identify if it has become an idol. Mm. You know, do you run to that for your pleasure? Do you run to that for your coping mechanism, mm. right? Yeah, it is a coping mechanism. And I think if you were to boil down what we're really talking about, it's dopamine. Mm. You know, um, dopamine is the reward chemical of your brain. And uh, dopamine is highly, highly, highly addictive, right? You're, you you get addicted to dopamine. Um, put it this way, um, dopamine is what you get when you see a, a ping on your phone, a notification, mm. hit of dopamine. Dopamine is what happens when you drink alcohol. And feel that, feel that buzz. Dopamine's what happens when you when you're taking drugs. It's what happens when you gamble. It's what happens when you have a climax yeah. in sex. Right now, when you think about it, a climax is a surge of dopamine. Now there are lots of different ways to get a surge of dopamine from a climax. Right. So some people say, oh, I, I have a problem with porn, but I don't have a problem with porn. Right. And um, you know, like there, there are lots of different ways that someone can be addicted to sex, like um, masturbation, right? Like um, fooling around, yeah. Um, like pornography, like soft pornography, um, all, all to this end of climax, this 
addictive release of dopamine. dopamine. And and we'll run to that to, to get then our next fix. Yeah, and and that's that's our reward system. So we think, oh, I'm stressed, I go to my idol. I, I need to celebrate, I go to yeah. my idol. I'm yeah. beat up, I need to go to my idol. Yeah. Um, I'm at home in bed, what do I do? You know, go to my idol. Go to my idol, and it, it becomes it's it is an addiction. Yeah, and I think when we, I think both in both um, instances we undervalue sex and we overvalue sex at the exact same time. Yeah, that's um, good. So we when we undervalue sex, um, we treat it as a commodity, and we talked about mm. that before. And we undervalue it, so we're like, oh, you know, I, I just need my hit. So I, I I'll go to that person. I'll treat sex like a commodity, like an exchange. Mm. Yep. They give me pleasure. Transaction. I, I give them pleasure. Then we go on our way. Yeah, that's uh, Tinder. Exactly. We can mm-hmm. we can see that's selfish, mm-hmm. but when we when you do that, it's dehumanizing that other person. Yeah, you're saying that they you only like them, you only are around them, you're only meeting them. To get a hit. To get a hit. But and that- it sounds crude, but it's like it is kind of what's happening. Mm. They're the mechanism for your hit of dopamine. Yeah. And then in the exact same time, we are over our society and even individuals are overvaluing sex. Mm. And so when we overvalue sex, we think that our, that can fulfill us. Mm. We think that sex is going to be our savior, mm. that we're only truly fulfilled when we have sex. Yeah. And we talked about this in the relationships mm-hmm. um, podcast where mm-hmm. people are getting married because they want to have sex yeah. and they think that sex is going to be their saviour. And when we do that, it doesn't dehumanise the other person, it dehumanises yourself mm-hmm. because you're whittling yourself down to just a physical being. Yeah, You're saying that the only way I can be fulfilled is to have sex. Yeah. So firstly, to identify this idol, we need to understand that it's just, this is just selfishness. Mm. That we're overvaluing it, we're undervaluing it, and at this, and when we're doing that, we're either dehumanizing the, our, the other person mm. or we're dehumanizing ourselves. Mm. This is a great time to talk about shame. Yeah, because there are two narratives that play out with sex and sex addiction um, and pornography addiction. It's kind of all the same thing. Where I mean particularly in the church, we don't have to go around convincing people that looking at porn's wrong. No. You know, we think, oh, the, the people just don't realize that what they're doing is wrong. And if they did, then they'd stop. And we'll tell people, if, if you just loved Jesus more, then you'd stop looking at porn. And they believe you, right? And they go, gee, maybe I, I just don't love Jesus enough. Um, so I'm going to go home and read my Bible and pray more, and then I'll stop looking at pornography, Right. Now, if you don't have an addiction, that might help. If you do have an addiction, that's the worst thing mm. that you... Before we go on, what's the definition of an addiction? Of an addiction? Well, I mean, particularly with sex, I mean, if you're, if you're acting out more than once a month, then you're, you're clinically addicted, yeah. right? Um, now, it's really important to understand how addiction works because if you don't understand how addiction works you're going to be riddled with guilt and shame. And guilt and shame are some of the biggest triggers for addiction. So addiction is a cycle. Now, um, the simplest way that I can explain this is what's going on neurologically. Um, You have two parts in your brain that are kind of connected to addiction. Um, 
your prefrontal cortex, the frontal lobe of your brain, is where your morals and your beliefs exist. That's where you make your rational decisions. Yeah, that's where we decide to follow Jesus. That's where you decide to follow Jesus. And I'm like, rational decision. Do I want to believe in Jesus? Yes. Prefrontal cortex. Um, say, for example, you're walking down a, a bush track. You see a stick, right? You don't know it's a stick. You think it's a snake and you jump immediately. And then you look a bit closer and you think, oh, it's a stick, <laughs> right? What's happened? Um, the other part of your brain, your limbic system, which is connected to your spinal cord, has jumped in and made a fast decision. Now, in a healthy brain, um, your prefrontal cortex can overpower your limbic system, right? So you can um, think, for example, do I want to eat that piece of cake? The piece of cake looks really tasty. The piece of I really want to eat the piece of cake. I'm going to choose to not eat that piece of cake, right? Healthy brain. Um, unhealthy brain, your limbic system overpowers. Now, your limbic system is where your emotions are. Your limbic system is where your memories are. Your limbic system is where you make um, emotional like feelings and it's where your reward system is situated in the brain. It's where dopamine is released from. Now, addiction is wired into that part of your brain. Now, if you have an addiction, your limbic system is going to overpower your prefrontal cortex, yeah. right? And the best way that I would, um, that I help guys that are addicted to porn to think about this is as we're sitting across from the table, I would say, do you want to look at pornography right now? And they go, no. What Weird Definitely question. Yeah. Um, why would I want to do that? It's like, when you go home tonight, do you want to look at pornography? And they'll go, No. And I was like, if you could make a decision right now, you're going to make a decision. Are you going to look at pornography when you get home? They'll say, no. Why? Oh, because I don't want to hurt the heart of God. I love Jesus. I know that this is ruining my life. I know that I need healing, right? And then they go home and they look at pornography. Now, you don't need to convince that guy that what he's doing is wrong. He knows it's wrong and it's beating him up. Um, but what's going on is his limbic system is overpowering his prefrontal yeah. cortex and he can't choose to not do it, right? And so we need to understand that when we're dealing with people that have sexual addictions, we don't need to convince them over and over and over again that if they just loved Jesus more, then they'd stop. They need help. So it's, it's not a moral decision. It's an emotional decision. It starts out as a moral decision before it becomes an addiction. But once it becomes an addiction, it's no longer a moral decision because... You can't, your morality cannot overpower your limbic system. You need to engage your limbic system and get healing there. Now, that's a longer story, but we've, we've seen dozens and dozens and dozens of mm. guys in our church um, get through pornography addictions um, by the power of Jesus, but through understanding how addiction works exactly. and healing the limbic system. Yeah. Well, before we go on, we need to talk about the, there's a few statistics here about people who are dealing with with pornography addictions. Yes. Um, we said before 35% of all internet downloads are pornography. That's more than uh, Instagram. Sorry, Twitter. Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter and combined. Twitter. Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter. It's more than that. It's mm -hmm. crazy. Uh, seven in 10 men in the church as a whole are addicted to pornography. Mm -hmm. Wait, For slow down a bit because that's that could take some people some time to sink in. Yeah. Seven in 10 men. Seven in 10. Men in the church right now are addicted to porn. Exactly. Four in 10 women. Mm -hmm. um, and just listening to these stats, it's so easy. Like sex is an idol. We don't have to convince no. people that. Um, 
And then this is the stat that breaks my heart. Yeah. Only 7% of pastors report having a ministry program to counteract porn. Mm-hmm. So 7% only of 7%. churches have a way to help people through pornography. Yep. Now, let me posture as to why that is. One in two pastors in the pulpit are addicted to pornography. That's the statistic. Hmm. One in two pastors are addicted to pornography. Now, how can we have authority in something that we are entertained by ourselves? Yeah. Um, the sheer hypocrisy alone keeps pastors from talking about this, right? Um, that was my story, you know. Um, I was addicted to pornography for 10 years. Um, it started when I was a kid, when I was about 12 years old, I got exposed to pornography um, by a friend. And I grew up in the internet age, right? And uh, so immediately it, it became an addiction. And I, I don't think it, it was a full-on everyday thing until later in high school, yeah. but it totally... It totally gripped me and nobody could help. Um, you know, you have accountability friends, but they're addicted to porn too, <laughs> blind leading the blind. Yeah. Um, you tell your pastors, they've, they had no idea how to help, you know. Um, I told uh, one pastor and he said, just stop, you idiot. Right? That's what he said to me. Now, all that did was make me feel more shame mm. and made me think, I can't ever tell anybody about this. Yeah. Right? And I, I suffered yeah. in, in, in silence and addiction for a decade until I got healing and God opened a door of escape for me, um, literally ran into a guy. And uh, I don't know, like we talked about it later and he, he said, like the Lord really prompted and God just ordained this conversation. And um, he, he, he said to me, I was like, oh, you know, what's your... Um, what do you, what do you do? You know, what's your passion in life? And he, he looks at me dead in the soul and says, helping pastors with porn. <laughs> right. And you couldn't, um, you couldn't run, you couldn't escape. You couldn't run, you couldn't escape. And, you know, I was getting to a point in my life where I was like, this is, this is not going to get better. You know, this, no one's been able to help. I, I can't fix this, you know, and as someone who's on the other side of porn addiction, I, I know now um, that I couldn't have done it by myself. Yeah. I mean, that's how denial works. You tell yourself, I can handle this. I can stop whenever I want. That's classic addiction. Yeah. Um, and God totally transformed my life. I didn't understand how much a, like sex addiction was ruining my life until I had gotten through the sex addiction. Yeah. Because it's, it's kind of like if, if you're swimming in something for so long, you don't even know how it affects you anymore. You just see your life as this thing that exists. And then after I actually got healing, I became a completely different person, right? My relationship with God was completely and utterly transformed at every level. And now um, we've counseled 36 guys. It's amazing. At, at our church through pornography. And um, all of them have had complete radical like I'm going to call it revival yep. because it's um, they have become on fire for God. They have become the best leaders in our church because they are yep. unashamed. They're willing to go anywhere and talk about anything. They don't have this constant feeling of hypocrisy yep. and shame, shame. ruining yep. them. I mean, some guys that are that are 
counselor will say, every single time I served in church, I felt a horrible sense of shame and hypocrisy. Mm. Now, if seven out of the 10 guys and four out of the 10 women in our church are addicted to porn right now, a large amount of the people that are serving in our church have a horrible sense of shame and hypocrisy as they serve Jesus because they're thinking, I'm a leader, I can't be doing this. And so they don't have any authority and they have a whole bunch of shame. Um, So I, I actually know as a pastor, the reason that pastors typically don't talk about sex is because they have sexual brokenness. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. We need to say that this this addiction, and we're talking about pornography, it's not just hardcore pornography. It's like Instagram is is still pornography. It's still... It can, so- it can be. Yeah. Not, not, not all of yeah, it. Exactly. Not, not Chad Veach's Instagram. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's it's very, very, very easy to stumble across pornography yeah. on Instagram. Exactly. And so like before... A lot of, I think a lot of guys in particular that I've spoken to, they try, they try and trick themselves. They go, no, no, I'm not mm. addicted to porn. No, no, porn's not an issue for me. But they'll go home, they'll look at Instagram, they'll get triggered that way. Yes. Right? Yep. And, and That's the same dopamine addiction. Exactly mm-hmm. the same addiction. Okay, it's exactly the same. You're putting sex in an You think sex is going to fulfill you. Yeah. Um, and as you said, 36 guys have been cancelled through and have, have faced um, pornography addiction and have got healing, healing. which is amazing. And every single one of them has said that it opens the door for significant spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. As you said, they are on fire. And so Mm. this is clearly one way that the devil is using Mm -hmm. to tear the church down. Yeah. Let me put it this way. The church will never have revival if we don't deal with porn. Mm. Because how and why would God revive a church and not touch the thing that's causing people the most guilt and shame? If God wants to bring revival we will have people being freed from pornography. Exactly. And that is exactly what we're seeing. Exactly. And so when we go to the Bible, you're talking about addictions or talking about when we, you're idolizing sex, mm. you, we, need to, we need to quote Romans 8.1. Yeah. You know, there's, therefore, there is now no condemnation mm-hmm. for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. We need to understand that when we put our faith in Jesus, mm. he sees us. He sees us. In our addictions. Yeah. And he loves you. Exactly. Right there. After you've acted out in that moment where you're like, I can't read my Bible for three days. The last thing I want to do is pray. What what does God want you to do in that moment? He wants to embrace you Mm -hmm. right there in your muck and your mire and your pain and your shame. He just wants to embrace you and say, I love you. I I want to help you. Let me help you. Yeah. Because Jesus is so much better than your idols. Yes. He's so he'll give you so much more fulfillment than porn will, than mm-hmm. sex will. And then the most important thing, and this is this is something that has changed the lives for thirty six people in our in our church, straight yeah. up. And it, we we read this from one John one nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful mm. and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. And that's been the story of countless of people this year mm-hmm. in our church mm-hmm. who have struggled with with um, the fact that sex has been an idol in their lives. Yeah. That's led to addiction mm-hmm. and that's led to sin and shame and it's what we call a sin and uh, a, a binge purge cycle. It yeah. just keeps going round and round and round and round. Yet the only way to fight it is to meet together in small groups, mm-hmm. confess it, and chat about it, mm-hmm. like any addiction. Yeah, 
You don't tell an alcoholic to go and read their Bible more. What do they do? Alcohol- AA meetings. They get together mm-hmm. and they chat about it. Yeah. And because of this shame culture mm. in, our, in the church, we don't chat about it. Yeah. Girls don't chat about it. Guys don't chat about it. And when they do, they're like, oh, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, I'm fine. It's not a problem for me at the moment. Yeah. And this is something that we actually need to take a stand for. Mm. And I think that they're um, like doing a podcast like this breaks down that shame culture because, I mean, you, you've likely just heard your pastor say, I get it. I, I'm like you. I used to have this addiction and God set me free. Um if you come and talk to me about it, you know that I'm not going to heap shame and guilt on you. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to tell you more than I said in this podcast. I'm going to tell you a lot more. And it's probably worse than you think it is. And I, we're actually going to help you. Like there is actually hope. I mean, 7% of churches have a program to help people with pornography. And we're one of them. We're one of those churches. Yeah. And um, we're actually helping other churches as well get this ministry started. That's amazing. And um, if you confess to us, um, there is a path of freedom and you will get healing. You will not just stop looking at pornography. If you press in, you will be an example of sexual health and purity and wellness, A, a role model that people are going to look to, right? That could be your future. Exactly. And, and on that, we, we've actually set up a, a way that this can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know how shameful it can be mm-hmm. uh, from experience, how shameful it can be. How hard it is. Yeah. How hard it is. To and reach so, out. Exactly, to reach out. And, and I bet you just, you just want someone to come to you and say, are you struggling because I've got healing? Yeah. You know, and so this is what we're saying. Listeners, please hear us saying this, that we are here for you to reach out. And the way you can reach out is we've set up an email address. Mm-hmm. This email address is called smashtheidol at gmail.com. What a name. <laughs> smashtheidol at gmail.com. And only Josh and I are going to be um, the only ones that are going to be able to read that. Yeah. Smash, email, yeah. smashtheidol at gmail.com. If you email that, you reach out to us. We will put you into, into groups. We'll put you into a, a process of healing mm. where people meet together and they not only feel healing from sexual addiction and from pornography addiction and whatever you're dealing with. But everything. But it will change your spiritual growth enormously. Because mm. at, at the end of the day, our culture is addicted to sex. Yeah. Our culture does place sex as an idol mm. and we need to help people. Yeah. And to those of you who are listening right now, who your heart's pumping and, and you know that's you and that you need help, something in your mind is going to be telling you, no, don't reach out. You've got this. You can handle this by yourself. And um, that's the enemy trying to keep you in bondage. Please reach out and ask for help. Don't let this train wreck your life um, and don't keep living like you're living. Yeah. Um, there is help and there is hope. Please just reach out. Smash the idol at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Remember, renewal in our generation must start with a renewal of our hearts.